Welcome to Ageless by Rescue. This podcast is devoted to exploring the science of rejuvenation, uncovering the most trusted experts, the must-have products, innovations, and technology in the field of vitality, aesthetics, new beauty, and cosmetic enhancement. Trini Woodall is the ultimate businesswoman and entrepreneur. She's also one of my favorite women crushes. Trini began her career as part of the famous fashion duo Trini and Susanna on their hit BBC TV show, What Not to Wear. The pair went on to launch a series of successful fashion and styling books. In 2017, Trini decided to transition from fashion into beauty and launched her eponymous makeup brand Trini London. Her makeup brand has taken the world by storm with the help of her successful YouTube channel. Trini London is the ultimate modern brand for the ageless woman, encouraging her to rethink her current routine while giving individuals the confidence to be the best versions of themselves. I absolutely love this podcast episode with Trini. When I initially recorded it, I had laryngitis and had lost my voice, so I had to re-record the intro. But she was such an incredible professional to work with and so very kind. In this candid and hilarious episode, Trini shares her detailed beauty, wellness, and biohacking routines and the rituals that have created the iconic face, body, and supernova personality that she is today. I'm so excited to bring you this very special episode of Ageless by Rescue podcast. Welcome, Trini Woodall. Trini Woodall, I'm so delighted to have you on the Ageless by Rescue podcast. I love you. Women around the world love you. And it's an honor to have you on the show because you are one of the first people, one of the media icons that started to talk to us about the concept of being ageless. You've shared your own journey. You really are a modern muse. And I would really like to learn how you've experienced the concept of being ageless and why it made you create your own makeup line. I think um, I think we're very similar in this way because I cannot bear the term when I see anything that's being sold to me, anti-aging, youth-making. Yeah. I just feel it's really demeaning <clears throat> um, as words. And whenever I meet women, some women might say, I feel so old, but generally... People say, I feel really tired. I feel flat. I feel invisible. You know, and those are emotive words that I really relate to. And I think we've all been through together as women. So when I think, what is the meaning of beauty to me? Um, it's about looking in the mirror and or looking at somebody and thinking they are full of energy. They're full of energy. You're drawn to them. And, you know, traditionally in the past, beauty has been, you know, you're drawn to a beautiful person. But I'm actually drawn to people who just, you know, they you feel the electricity at the end of their fingertips because they feel so goddamn alive. And that's what sometimes by, you know, from my perspective, I've had women I've made over over many years who have felt entirely invisible. And you give them, you, you know, different clothes to wear. You make them really appreciate their body shape you you start to look at what um you know how how they can change their makeup from things that maybe are sort of powders and things that settle into their skin to things that really give them a gloss and a glow and 
change their hair a bit if they feel, you know, maybe they dyed it a long time, the same color. Because I think we can just get set in our ways. And it's amazing when you see those transformations. I have lots of those transformations in, in Australia, but around the world. And I have them today when I've got a woman in front of me and I'm doing her makeup, that they just look in the mirror and they feel present. And by feeling totally present, you then feel recognized. And by feeling recognized, you feel confident. And by feeling confident, you have more presence. So it's a really fantastic cycle. It is. And I think the power of makeup is so understated. You know, the right placement of concealer using a foundation that actually makes your skin glow cannot be understated. What do you think about that? Yeah, it does. It's it's like... It's so it's so little that you need to do with such a big impact. And I think that what stops some people from doing it is they don't know where to start or they maybe did. You know, I always when I look at men or women, I always think there's ways I define the era in which they were born, <laughs> because um, men generally wear the clothes and the styles that they wore when they felt their most sexually confident. And it kind of sticks with them. <laughs> so, you know, we all know that kind of 60-year-old man who slightly has that 70s vibe. Um, we all know the sort of maybe 50-year-old man who still feels the power suit is important. You know, it's quite interesting if you now look at men around you, you might think, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Um, and I think what women tend to do is they hold on to a makeup which they wore, which was the first makeup that made them feel present. So it could be that it was the era when there was, you know, late 90s and it was bronze, 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 that a bronzer makes them feel alive. But maybe, you know, having gone down the path of life a few years, that bronzer is actually flattening their already perhaps softened features because our skin has changed shape. So is bronzer the right way, or would you be better off with a really gentle contour and lovely blush? So you give a, a definition to your face and you bring it back in perspective and you don't flatten it. And you don't, you know, and the color that you first chose, which you felt made you bronzed, is actually a color that perhaps now make, might, might make you feel a bit orange or a bit yellow or a bit whatever, whatever your skin tone. So. I think tweaks can really help. And another classic one is, is a lot of women maybe who had a, a thinner eyebrow and because they overplucked, you know, there was that kind of, you know, I would be in the 80s, 90s on the telephone and I would pluck my brows as I chatted to friends and they nearly all disappeared. I spent a lot of, I did a lot of work to get my brows back I, I from castor oil to peptides, rubbing them in, you know, microneedling, God knows what. You've got a magnificent brow, by the way. Um, and so I think when I see a woman who maybe is in her 50s, the first thing I want to do is give her a brow back to frame her face because that will just immediately sort of give focus, uh, give focus to the eye and and literally, you know, dare I say the word, I don't want to say take years off, but make her look at her face and feel it's more defined. You work with colour really well in how you dress, with makeup. We really see the transformation. What do you think is the magic of colour? 
I, I, I know from research, I did, I did, I wrote a few books and one of the books I wrote is What You Wear Can Change Your Life. And in that, I spent about six months researching colour. And I'd grown up in the 70s with Colour Me Beautiful. You know, are you autumn, spring, summer or winter? It was like this old fashioned book. And I remember my sister, half sister, became a Colour Me consultant and she did my colours and I was autumn. And, and I sort of for a bit wore those colours and, and, you know, my hair changed and other things. And I was like, these colours are shit on me. You know, this, this doesn't work. So I always felt that when I look at somebody for makeup and like we do match me on Trini London, which is actually refining your color choices. And the same applies to clothing as much as it applies to makeup is, is it's a combination of your skin, hair and eye and, and the hair around your face. You could have long hair, which is dark here and very blonde at the end. So basically you're a sort of bronze, even though at the bottom of your hair, you might be a blonde. So taking those combinations, I look at, are you sort of cool? mid or new or, or warm you know that's a kind of spe- very easy spectrum so most women can look in a mirror and think is my ha- the hair is the easiest thing you know is my hair a cool blonde or a warm blonde is it towards platinum or is it got sort of honey bits in it you know is my brown warm and tawny or is it cool and dark um am i a redhead that's a kind of you know bright carroty redhead or am i auburn so you, those kind of give you a sense okay i could put that into cool mid or warm Then you look at eye color. That's also easy because if you have eyes that are blue or green, you're generally a neutral or cool. You're never warm. If you have a hazel eye, you're generally warm. If you have a brown eye, if it's sort of warm brown, you're warm. If it's a cool brown, you could be neutral or cool. So that kind of is okay. The hardest thing for most women is looking at their skin. Because you can't really say, you know, there was lots of things on lots of websites, you know, do you have blue or green purple veins? I have no goddamn clue, you know, but simple things like, do you tend to get drawn to silver jewelry, gold jewelry, or you can wear both? It's so simple. And if you always wear silver jewelry, you sit in cool for your skin. And if you wear silver or gold jewelry, you're neutral. And if you wear gold jewelry, you're warm. So then if you take the combination of your skin, hair and eye, and think, where does it wait? Does it wait neutral? Does it wait cool? Or does it wait warm? Then you know what you are. So you might think, okay, I'm, I'm cool. So anyone who's cool can wear black. Can wear black well. It doesn't drain them. Um, it can be sharp and fabulous. They can wear navy and burgundy and dark green. They can wear cobalt blue and shocking pink and neons, you know, those colors. They can wear, you know, sort of, they can sort of slightly wear pastels too. Um, if you're neutral, you can probably wear the most colors because you can wear a little bit, like I could wear a lemon yellow and a daffodil yellow. I can wear a denim blue and a cobalt blue, just about wear a powder blue, but it might wash me out. Um, I could wear a ra- dirty raspberry pink and a brighter pink. And then if you're in warm, you suit dirty shades, you know, you don't suit bright, clean shades. So you wouldn't wear a cobalt blue, you'd wear a teal. You'd wear a sort of, you could wear a navy, but it must be a slow, that sort of with a, it's like a royal blue navy more than a midnight navy. You know, you suit khaki, you suit orange, you suit dirty yellow, like a sort of okra color, um, dirty green, dirty raspberry. So then when you're looking at clothing, I always then, how can you play in those palettes? So if you then want to do contrasting colors, do the dirty raspberry with the mustard, beautiful contrasting. And if you're cool toned, do a neon yellow with a pink, you know? So, so once you get those basic, that basic sense, 
it's so much easier to then wear colour. I went to your website and I did the questionnaire and it was so helpful on the Trini London um, site. You can actually complete an entire questionnaire and then it will actually guide you to all the right products for your skin and your skin tone, which I loved. And in a way, the colours you get shown, that's why I want to do something. I've got this new idea for something, but um, the colours you're shown are in those categories, you know, like your eye colors might be traditionally warm or neutral or cool. And and you'll begin to even see from the colors that you get from your match to me and makeup by doing this and getting your skin, her and eye in, that that could, you know, that could um, go out towards your clothing. So if you're scared of working out what colors to wear, you could even use that as a basis to begin to get out of black. So are you in Sydney or Melbourne? I'm in Sydney. You're in Sydney. Because I think when I've been in Australia, I think I found more women in Melbourne wore black. It was kind of like, you know, it rains a bit. And I think when the weather's rainy, a lot more women wear black because they just feel bright colors are going to get rained on. I mean, everything gets rained on, but there's something psychological about that. And I just think a lot of people sometimes think I'll wear color, but then they just wear a color with black and it kills the color, just kills the color. You, know. you created a brand that's really focused on hybrid technology. And I think that that's really interesting because we're all looking for things that can do multiple, that can deliver multiple benefits. Why did you focus on creating a product that is accessible to everyone? Because I've spent, I've spent many, many years in, you know, the makeover world. And I've, you know, worked with a tremendous amount of makeup brands. And I've tried for my sort of journey with acne, thousands of skincare brands. And I think that there is a lot in the beauty world that perhaps needs to evolve. There's a lot of chat about ingredients, which are at marketing levels and they aren't functional levels. Um, You know, I kind of, know enough about skincare to know that I pick up a formula and they might spend ages on the smell and how it feels on your skin. But you look at the inky list at the back and you know, actually the levels of ingredients are really low and they're just there so they can say that they contain this, contain that. But will it have any impact on your skin? No, it would just make you feel your skin's nice. It might have some nice silicones in it and you'll feel plumped, but is it doing anything? Not really. So when we look at, um, you know, I was looking when I developed Trini London, I, the first product I developed actually was called BFF. And it's because I wanted women to wear SPF. Thank you. Oh, my God. I love it. And look, I it's completely used. I use it all the time. <laughs> it's so used. I love you for that. And I wanted women to wear a product that they were sort of wearing because it made their skin come alive and evened it out. And secretly, I was giving them SPF 30 because I think some women still maybe don't appreciate sun damage. And they kind of think, oh, you know, it's not that hot today. I don't need to wear SPF. And I kind of, I wear SPF as soon as I wake up, you know, through the window here, which I'm at all day, if the sun is shining through, I will get some kind of, you know, UV ray. So I wanted that like, you know, it's like putting spinach in a smoothie for a kid and it still tastes nice. So the taste nice bit is it glows, it evens your skin tone. So when I was looking at the ingredients and when I was looking at developing the formula, it took me three years to develop BFF. And I wanted it to, you know, break. I wanted it to be white and it would break and the microspheres of pigment would come out. But I wanted you to feel as soon as you put it on, this is a cream to help my skin. 
And then it happens to do a little tiny bit of, of evening out skin tone with the pigment. But there's, you know, porcelain flower extract to reduce redness and inflammation. There's a SPF 30 to just protect your skin from the sun. So that was important. And then the next stage of that was, you know, we, we developed all our color in our pots and each formula for me, I spent a long time on and I mushed in my bathroom to get exactly the texture and I'd send it to the lab and say, this is the texture I want. And then they'd send it back 20 times till we got the texture. And then I'd say, okay, let's look at colors. And then that was another year, you know. But with de-stress, which I brought out in September, I'd looked at the skincare makeup hybrid market and I felt, again, <clears throat> looking at all those ingredients on the back of pack and everything. And I just thought great stories, but they're stories, a lot of them. So can we actually scientifically put some ingredients in that help things? And I had, I had been, you know, growing this business has been profoundly enjoyable, but I've been, you know, every day working 18 hour day, stress levels are very, very high. And I've, you know, spoken a lot about, and I have this lovely man on Shabir, who's a pharmacologist. And we talk about, you know, the cortisol going onto your skin and what it does to your skin. And I, you know, spent ages talking to him about it. And then I discovered blue indigo was something that contained an ingredient that could reduce levels of cortisol on your epidermis. And then I found a lab in Europe that actually created neurofrolene, which could, you know, had clinical trials on it and it would reduce the level of cortisol on your skin. So I thought I want to use this ingredient in a product so that's where I started. So when I look at formulations, I don't start with, let me make a tinted moisturizer and let me make it 39 pounds. And now let's do the formula. I start with, what do I want to do now for a woman's skin? Okay. I want to reduce the levels of stress. Now I want to give her a bit of coverage because we have BFF, which is minimal coverage. And we have just a touch, which is really targeted like concealer coverage. So I want this middle coverage that's buildable, but I want it to work through the day and her skin will feel that benefit of those ingredients actually working during the day. So I then um, had clinical trials on 2% neurofrolene. And I said to MPD, I want to put 10% in. And my head of innovation said, Trini, I don't ever make a difference. I said, I really feel I want 10% in here. She said, yeah, it might destabilize the formulation. I went, well, let's build the formulation around that 10% neurofrolene. Let's put in vitamin C and let's put in some antioxidants because I want to have some stuff that works on HEB light because I was starting to research HEB light. So that's how the formula <laughs> developed. And then we put in the textures of how you wanted it to feel. And that came afterwards. So it sort of started with the ingredients and then it's okay, let's make the smoothness. Let make it, let me, let it feel really like you're putting a serum on your skin. And I wanted it to be good enough. And we've ended up with 16 and a half percent of active ingredients that if you never, even if you were like Miss Minimalist and you like did cleansing your skin and nothing and a SPF that you could use this and you would actually have the benefits of a skincare serum working on your face through the day and giving you coverage. And that's what it is. And, and it is, you know, probably my proudest achievement to date, but there's a lot more in MPT coming that I'm very excited by. But this is just like, it's, it. I set out to so want to do that. I wanna ask you about cortisol and stress. You actually got COVID. And I want to ask you, what did that increased stress level, how did it impact your face, your, your life? Well, when you 
When you're very stressed, and we can all be stressed for a number of reasons, we can have emotional stress, we can have physical stress, we can have Ill, stress from illness. You, you know, the stress releasing hormone is cortisol and it rushes through your body and it ends up on your epidermis. And when it's on your epidermis, it dehydrates you because, you know, you know, when you get a dry mouth, when you're really stressed, that's kind of what it's doing on your skin and it causes inflammation. What did you notice changed in your face and in your body? I think what happens is you feel my skin really looks dry the whole time. Maybe I'm getting sort of what I might normally think are hormonal fluctuations, but there's sort of I'm getting redness or I'm suddenly getting spots, but my skin feels like it's in an inflammation state. Mm. You know, that's, I think, the feeling you get from, from having excess cortisol and having a lot of stress in your life. And you feel like you feel exhausted. And because you're dehydrated your skin, that feeling of exhausting is exasperated because there's no moisture to plump up your skin. And you kind of feel, you know, that plumpness to your skin goes. That's the only way I, I can probably describe it. And what do you do to manage that stress outside of beauty? So I do a lot of things now because I think it's very, very important to manage stress. And I think stress is, is you know, a precursor to not being well in your body. You know, it's that first sign. There are many ways we can get ill in our life. But I think if you are under undue stress, you can then have sort of adrenal overdrive, which actually will affect you physically and not and be not be a very good state for your body to be in and can lead to many things. So I take a lot of adrenal support because I know my adrenals are being really, you know, pushed and I know I push myself every day. So I need to support my body because I'm not going to stop working as hard as I work, but I need to manage how I look after my body. So so I've done a few things in the last few months. I, I take a lot of adrenal support, which I get from um, Julia Hunter and a woman, a hormonal specialist in America called Erica Schwartz. And I really look after the hormonal state that my body's in, which is postmenopausal. And I take supplements for that. I take glutathione because I think glutathione is an amazing supplement, which I think has huge benefits. And it's really like only coming to the fore of what it can do for the body. I take Magnolia rhodioli, which is a really lovely sort of natural happy pill. It's the only way I can describe it. But, you know, it's it's a really great supplement to take if you are perimenopausal or menopausal and you're not, you know, it's not contra to doing full HRT, but I actually take it with my HRT. I take bioidentical hormones and it gives me that just, you know, a, a lot of women going through menopause can be put on antidepressants by their doctors. And I think there are alternative things because it's just, you just want to feel that energy back. And you think having some, some ladies might have proper depression, but some ladies might be misdiagnosed because they're just feeling really flat and no energy. So it, they could be diagnosed as having feeling a bit low and therefore a very quick route might be to give antidepressants. And I don't always think that's the route. So it's about doing things like that. Sugar. Sugar is my nemesis because I've spent now nearly two weeks off sugar and the first week was really tricky because I eat a lot of sugar. I eat a big bar of sugar every night. You know, I don't drink, but I have a lot of other ways I have sugar. You know, I have a Coca-Cola if I'm thirsty, you know, I, I eat sugar, three cups of sugar, you know, three teas in my sugar. I love sugar. So I cut it out and it was tricky, but now that low that I used to get in the afternoon, I'm not getting. So I think this is another thing that you cannot really afford if you are perimenopausal, menopausal, to not address the effect of sugar in your life. Because sugar 
leads to inflammation. So I notice now if I eat a lot of sugar, my ankles swell. So I notice that physicality immediately of the impact of sugar. And if people drink rosé, you know, and, and they drink in the afternoon, they might think, oh, my God, do I feel a bit swollen? You know, <clears throat> and, and just think then what that's doing to your body. So it's not about I'm never going to not have dark chocolate, you know, chocolate bar again, because these things bring us joy and give us a high. And I think chocolate is a dark chocolate, not necessarily full of sugar, sugar, sugar chocolate, but it's a very important <clears throat> thing. They're treats. We all should have bloody treats. But I think I need a responsibility. I have 70 year old daughter. I want to be healthy. I want to be climbing a mountain when I'm 80. So I'm sort of 57 now and I'm thinking, I want to feel great in 20 years. So what do I do now so I feel great in 20 years and that I'm in control of my body? Are you doing any biohacking? Do you take supplements? I rattle. I take about 16 supplements a day. I take 3,000 <laughs> milligrams of liposomal vitamin C a day. I read a book years ago from a man who wrote a big research document on vitamin C and how incredible it was for many things, you know, as a sort of preventative thing. So I've, I do, I mean, I've got up once to 6,000 um, milligrams a day. And I think you have to be careful because you can always poo it out the other side very quickly, but liposomal can be absorbed very well because a lot of people take just a pill and so much that pill gets eaten up in their stomach acid and they don't really then get the benefits of vitamin C. And then a lot of people say, why don't you just eat things with vitamin C in it? Great. If you live on a bloody farm, because if you're not on that actual farm and you buy it from your supermarket, you know, 50% of the nutrition that you will get, the supplemental vitamin nutrition is gone. And by the time you cook it or do things with it, it's gone even more. So I do like to go to source and get them. So I take that. I take the adrenal support. I take um, vitamin D which you don't need to take in Australia, but we need here. Um, I take um, L-glutathione. I take L-lysine, which these are two supplements I just think are very good to protect your body. Um, adrenal support, I said. Um, and then I take sleep. Sleep is a mixed bag because I um, don't always find it easy to sleep. And I have gone through times when I've taken cherry night powder which is great. And you build it up. And I've gone through times when I've taken sleeping pills, you know, and that's one area where I have to really balance out. Do I want to just get to sleep and know I have eight hours sleep a night, seven hours sleep a night, or do I want to have a restless sleep when I know I've got a long day? And I can't, I know for me that I need my sleep so much. And if I don't, I'm fucked you know, so I do everything and I don't mind to what extent I go to get that sleep without taking anything that would make me feel weird the next day, you know, so I, it's important. And then I listen to Calm. There's a very nice man on Calm. Many of you might listen to Calm. I sat next to the founder two nights ago at dinner. He was such a nice man. And I listened to this night and it's called Softly Back to Sleep or Gently Back to Sleep. And you just listen to it and he speaks utter nonsense but he speaks it with a waves background and you hear these lovely waves. You could probably in Australia as 90% of people live in the coastal regions. You probably hear this when you go to sleep anyway, but I'm not anywhere near the sea. So I just have that lovely sense of the waves and it gets, it gets, it gets me back to sleep. I would do anything that I could to not have surgery. And I just don't know. It's not the right or wrong thought. It's my belief. So I've had girlfriends of mine who have done facelifts and thought I won't do anything and then I'll do a facelift and it will last me 10 years. And some of them have done really beautiful work. 
I think I'm quite scared of the surgeon's knife in case anything went wrong. So I've done Botox since I was 35. I've done lasers. I've done threads about a few years ago. I did some threads around my chin, which just kind of shaped my chin a bit. Probably I should do it again if I was thinking about it. I do um, um, fractional radio frequency, which is very good because as you get older, if you've ever had acne, your skin will separate as you get older and fractional radio frequency is a really good way to just slight gently smooth out that scarring. Um, so I will do all those things that kind of are what I would call tweakments. You know, years and years ago, I had filler. I don't do filler now. I think there's other things you can do. Um, I do machines like I'll use a, a face gym pro or a new face. And I think if you invest in these kind of machines, they're really expensive um, don't ever use the products they come with because they're crap. I use aloe vera gel from Amazon, which is eight pounds and I slather it on and it allows the current to move up and down my face, but I will do it two or three times a week. Um, and I might do it on a zoom call and just turn the camera lens off, but it will help keep the eyebrows up. It will help just all it's doing is sending a little current and, and making, it's like a little 20 minute workout for your face. And I think it helps to keep your face. I do a ton of facial massages, exercise. I do these all on my Instagram. I do scissoring because I just believe everything you can do to get the oxygenation to flow to your epidermis is really good for your skin. And some people think you're, I'm rough with my skin, but you know, I think giving oxygenation to your skin, letting the blood flow rush around, releasing toxins, doing lymphatic drainage so things don't get stuck in your face and make you feel puffy keeps the flow and we need to keep the flow. Can I ask you, when did you know you were beautiful? Oh, fuck. That's such an interesting question because probably from 13 to 30, I felt I was so goddamn ugly. I mean, wow. from zero, zero to 30. Um, because when I was younger, I was very insecure, found it very difficult to make friends. So nobody's ever saying to you, you're utterly gorgeous. You just feel, I just felt socially inept. Wow. And didn't feel that. And then when I was 13, I got very bad acne and it lasted till I was 30. So I would go to restaurants. I remember when I went on dates when I was sort of 18, 19, and I would choose a restaurant where it wasn't overhead lighting because I was so aware of how bad my skin was, you know, and I'd make sure it was soft lighting. I remember really sort of like changing the restaurant location. So you know, and I remember I wouldn't want to go like on a walk in the park with somebody where my skin was bad because I'd feel there's so much light to show how bad my skin was. I felt people talk to my spots. So when you have that for sort of 17 years, um, you don't feel appealing. You know, it can have such an impact on your confidence. And my daughter has occasional little spots and it doesn't bother her one bit. She doesn't have a tool what I had, but it doesn't bother her you know, and I then took Ractane when I was 30 for a year. I did first with the National Health in England and, and they put me on very low dosage. It didn't work. And then I paid for it. And I remember it was half my salary. It cost me half my, I was earning 1200 pounds a month and it cost me 600 pounds a month to do it. And I remember I moved back in with my parents so I could pay for it because I was so desperate to sort out my skin. I feel I look good. I think the definition of beauty on some days, if I'm in a really happy mood and I'm full of just that joy, I'll look in the mirror and I'll think you're not bad girl, you know, like that. But there are some days I'll wake up and I think you look like a pile of shit. <laughs> you know. So 
but it's also always <laughs> forward, always knowing, you know, I think the 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 time that I am feeling the nicest inside, and I know it sounds so corny, but that that really prevails on the outside. So the time I'm feeling joy is like, you know, with my partner the other day, we'd had a sort of day, like you'll have this in lockdown, where you just have a day of you know and and when you're you look very unappealing to your partner so you might he's probably said in that conversation god you look really i don't know you look really tired oh my mother used to say that to me for 20 years i hate that and then you know the next day we were it was all lovely and cozy and i was feeling cozy and lila was being a delight and being cozy with charles and you know he turned around and said you look really beautiful today and that was entirely because i was feeling good thank you I was losing my voice. Do you have any go-to hacks when you're feeling down or or you're not feeling beautiful, things that instantly lift you? So three things I do when I'm feeling low. I get out, and I don't have it here, my beauty tapper. It's this long bamboo tapper, and I just tap my head. I want to tap the shit out my head, and I just tap. I tap all. I tap on my arms, tap on my legs. I get the energy flowing around because I think, you know, when we feel low, our energy needs to be woken up. So that's one physical way you can do it. I, if I haven't got the tap around me, I'll slap myself all over my body, and I'll go down the inside of my thigh and up the back, and I'll slap here and slap here slap my tummy you know and just you feel like that um and then I do something that a lovely one called Katie Brindle taught me which we've done we did a lot on lockdown but I will laugh for one minute all right and it's the weirdest thing and I won't ask you so now if you did have your voice I would say let's laugh for a minute but you force yourself laughing at the beginning it's really weird all right you're like <laughs> like this and you think you're a hyena but <laughs> when you stop I've probably woken up my daughter now she's so pissed off because she sleeps next door um and um when you finish your endorphins are going like this so that's those are probably the two most important things I'll, I'll ring a friend because we forget who our friends are and I need to you know I now have this thing I put on my this is a weird thing so you kind of many Many girlfriends have a a girlfriend they call every day, but I don't have that. I have a lot of different friends and they all live around the world. So I have a list on my on my notes of my friends. And it's a list, actually, that was from my birthday. Every year on my birthday, I have about 16 or 18 girlfriends. And probably I've had the same list bar three or four who might change for about 30 years. But I forget who to call. So sometimes I'm feeling flat and it's like, I, I should rename it on the top of my notes, like feeling flat, call any of the below. I just need to remind myself to call people. Um, and the final thing I'd say is you never know what is behind the closed door. So if you're feeling you're starting a business or you're waiting for a new job or you're thinking I want to leave my partner and I don't know, you just don't know. So never wind the movie forward to think you know because you don't know. I'm delighted to have met you under these circumstances. Oh, my God. I'm going to take a photo. This is a nightmare. (laughs) Hello, my darling. I hope your voice gets better. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, It was an absolute honour and your advice and your rituals are inspirational, to say the least, and definitely um, things that we can all incorporate into our own ageless beauty routine. Trini Woodall, what an honour, what a privilege. Thank you. 
Ageless by Rescue is brought to you by Rescue Me Academy, Reignite Your Relationship course. Love your relationship but miss the early days? You're not alone. This course will teach you how to identify your issues, stop the fighting, find what you need to be happy, re-spark intimacy and keep the lines of communication open. Join us at rescuemeacademy.com.au to learn more about the program and to download your first free lesson. I hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, please share and rate this episode. I'd love that.